0: You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. What generation do you belong to? I'm Gen X. Perhaps you're Gen Y or even a baby boomer. You may not like the names we give to different generations, but it can be helpful to look at why different age groups can behave in certain ways particularly when it's the generation you're parenting. Mark McRindle is a social researcher who, along with his colleague Ashley Fell, have studied what's shaping the children born between 2010 and 2024. Mark has named these children Generation Alpha, and it's the name of his most recent book. Hi, Mark. How are you?
1: Yeah, great. Thanks, everyone.
0: So as a social researcher, why do you think it's helpful to study different generations?
1: Well, it helps us understand our times. It helps us understand the context that is shaping each new generation. You know, we we can't just think of ourselves, all of us living in this era, as the same. Clearly, there is difference within. And while we all share these same times, regardless of age, we don't all share the 21st century at a formative age. Many of us <laughs> were shaped in the 20th century. And uh, and here we are now as adults living in the 21st. In other words, you know, the times that shape us in our formative years, the, the cohort, the technology, the events, the experiences, all of these leave fingerprints on us. And clearly, the 1980s were different to the 1960s. And that's different to this particular era, so it is useful to understand generations and uh, th- and the unique times that have shaped us, and therefore you know, every fifteen or so years you've got a new one and uh, and that's who who we've got now, this this twenty first century generation of children.
0: You talk about um, a few of the main things that can have an impact on a generation, things like technology. Um, but world events can shape how we evolve and grow and become adults and parents. Um, In your book, you look at the different generations that come before Generation Alpha, and you say that's important. How do we find those main events influence parents and parenting over time?
1: Yeah, well, we definitely are all shaped by our era, and so the parents of today, the millennials, as they've been called, or the Generation Y people they they were shaped in the era of technology as expressed through emerging devices certainly the internet and you know laptop computers and so this was the first generation of these parents to to really have the internet and for social media to become mainstream uh it's a whole new level for their children uh of course but but you know the the times of today's parents that shaped them was different to those that are in the Generation X category that grew up, well, as computers were coming around, but certainly not the internet era. And that was different to those that went before. So, so you know, every 10 or 15 years, you get such a shift in the context, in the technology, in the social expectations uh, that, that you've got, you know, a, a distinct group. And and that's really how the generations are are defined these days. You know, in those fifteen year timeframes, and you know we all know the Generation X, moniker and Generation Y, and Generation Z. And having got to the end of the alphabet, uh, we needed to to label this next one. And uh, and so moving to the Greek one is the the Greek alphabet is the is the labeling term that's used a bit in science and maths. And uh, and we've picked up that nomenclature for Generation Alpha. <sighs>
0: When you speak about main events, it's pretty hard to get past COVID nineteen for our children who are growing up now. How do you think the experience of COVID nineteen will impact kids today?
1: In a big way. In fact, it'll impact them more than it'll impact us. Even though, as adults, you know our plans, our future predictions of what we thought you know the year or, or, or the next few years would would in, in, hold uh, certainly hasn't turned out to be the case. But the reason it's bigger in its impact for children is that the age at which you're exposed to a global event, a pandemic, a, a new technology, determines how embedded it becomes in your psyche and lifestyle. You know, while COVID has impacted all of us as adults, we've got a bigger context into which to place it. You know, we, we, we've seen that. The economies can go up, but they can go down. We've seen that jobs can be great to have, but they also can be uh, taken from us in terms of economic insecurity and a and a softer employment market. Uh, we we see the ebbs and flows of of global connectivity, and and yet young people uh, have only ever you know lived in this particular era, and so COVID has been big in its impact. I mean, you think about a a seven or eight year old; they've only had about. Four years of living memory, so it's been a quarter of their lived experience has been COVID, uh, learning from home in that period of time, seeing parents work from home, uh, new hygiene protocols and practices, QR codes wherever they go. You know, it's been it's been big for them because of the formative impact it's had, the time at which it's exposed, uh, they've, they've lived through it or been exposed to it, and and the length of time relative to the rest of their life. So. So, you know, it, it is quite shaping for them and for their future.
0: Do you have any sense, and this may be asking you to slip into a role of a futurist, but do you have any sense on how the pandemic might shape them? We know that it will shape them, but do we know what kind of impact it might have on their behaviour?
1: Yeah, we do. Um, you know, it, it has created bit of a challenge for them because children are at the social high point of their life. It continues through the teenage years. But, but you know, if we think about the experience of COVID in Australia, we're blessed that we're not talking about the health consequences. Uh, in some ways, we're blessed that we're talking about the social consequences, but they have been big. And the isolation that it has created for some people, the frustration uh, as plans, events, travel has been curtailed, the, the economic impacts for some. And so you know the the pressures of that, the impact of that, are picked up by the children. Um, a season or, or, or a year without sport for some of them. Um, the, some of those those events, you know, you only get one, you know, year six graduation in your life, or you only get um, one fifth birthday in your life, and and so some of those impacts are are, are notable for them. And and what it has shaped in them, and there i guess some of the the negative sides we know that children are very resilient and so they 'll they 'll respond through that they 've adapted very well to online learning to to connecting through the technologies um, and probably what it 'll set them up for is an era where you know they will just expect working from home because they've seen from the youngest age their parents now work from home. They will expect to be able to do online learning because they've experienced a bit of that even in their primary years. So, so you know it, it will gear them up to be very 21st century in their technology skills and the ability to adapt to uh, the decoupling of learning from location or work from location and, uh, and that they're going to be some good skills for them for their future.
0: My daughter just turned nine and on that morning proudly announced that she was a tween now. Mm. I don't remember identifying as a tween. I remember being a child and mm. then being a teenager. Why is the tweenager a thing now?
1: Yes, and uh, no, I see it in my household as well with my <laughs> youngsters that are in that same life stage, and you're right. You know, there was the there was childhood years, there was teenager years, and then there was Adulthood, maybe you'd say young adults, and then adulthood um, of recent decades. there's sort of the the twenty something slipped in there as a as a little bit of a life marker, but but it has changed with this other tween segment, and that's in some ways because of the up aging of children, that that the nines, tens, elevens are sort of like the teenagers of a generation ago. The access they have to technology, the sophistication they have, the the, the social connections that they look for, um, their, their awareness of the world around them. You know, they they are older than their years might suggest, and we see that in education. Teachers say, "Oh, the things." You know, not long ago, I was teaching the year fives and sixes. I'm now doing with the years threes and fours, and and that's that's part of the the acceleration of learning and the access to information that they have had and there's great positives with that there come there can come a lot of negatives to that as well and the need for parents to do in a sense not let that childhood come to an end too soon not let not let the the teenage years emerge too early but but you know it is a distinct life stage now the tweens looks a lot like the teenagers uh, of of just a generation ago. And, uh, and it's partly, you know, the times, the technologies and the empowerment of children today.
0: One of the things I think most parents are concerned about, and this probably relates to the tween years, but um, it depends on how soon they get access to a screen. But I'm sure that many parents are worried about how social media will shape this generation. Do you think it's something we need to be worried about?
1: Yeah, I do. It's definitely something for parents to keep an eye on because this is a global experiment, putting devices in the hands of youngsters, sometimes toddlers, sometimes even younger. Uh, It's it's at a whole new level. The previous generation of children just did not have the portable devices just a few clicks away from any piece of information on the planet that we see today. Of course, we've had screens for a long time and television for a long time, but but these devices and the interactivity of them, we call them lean-forward screens, They're not lean-back, the passive screens that you used to watch. These are interactive, and with that, they become a bit more consuming and a bit more engaging, and the time spent on them can be longer. And, and of course, uh, it's harder for parents to monitor, to uh, give some guidance and, and get some visibility over what the, the children are accessing. You know, for a while in there, if we go back a decade, the the computers were generally in public areas in our in our homes. Uh, the the internet, you know, had an off button you could turn the modems off. Now, of course, every device is internet connected. People need children often have these devices just for their their study, for their learning, as well as their connection with their peers. And so, it's harder to, if you like, control what's coming into the home, and it's harder to monitor some of the the darker sides of what can be accessed through these devices and to really create a safe place for our children to make sure that they're not being bullied or intimidated or indeed accessing material we don't want them to. So that's part of the challenge. And that's why, you know, if we can delay the access to those devices, or at least the age at which they have their own device, if we can maintain that, that monitoring, that control over the time use on those devices a little later in their life, uh, that's that's one simple way that does help the equation
0: so can i tell my daughter she can have a phone when she's 21
1: <laughs> well that would be a quite an ambitious outcome but but at least you know we, we say to parents you know at least let's kick it down the road a little bit when the six or seven year olds are saying get their own device we can say no no you can have access to mine for that that you just want to watch that 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 30-minute show, or you want a quick turn on this game that that or this app that that I know about, yes, that's fine. But then it's our device and we're going to get it back. Um, it's when they have their own device, then we really have lost all control. And we're we're busy as parents and we get distracted and we know that the our child has the the device and we'd set an hour and three hours go by and they're still on it and they've clicked to other things as well. That's that's why we we have to try to as much as we can have that parental responsibility over it as we say to parents you know we the, the devices are in the parents names they're owned by the parents the, the telecommunications or internet contracts are in our device and we in our names and, and we have that that duty of care we have that responsibility as parents to make sure we are providing the best opportunities for our children that doesn't mean having no technology technology is a key part of their life their learning in their future uh, but it does mean doing our best to to monitor it so delaying can help a little bit uh, the accountability of it, so making sure we're aware of what they're accessing and 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 keeping a bit of accountability on that, helping them be aware of our our family values and what we do find appropriate and what we do support them having access to, and when we can over time, you know, help them to take a bit of the ownership where they move from dependence where we check off to independence where they start to take more of their own ownership. That sense sets them up well for the teen and the. and and the young adult years beyond, and and that's the pathway we want to get them onto.
0: Those who are parenting now, as we mentioned, they can be Gen X, Gen Y, even Gen Z. I feel that there has been an intensification in parenting for this group of parents. Um, Is that something you found in your research?
1: Yes, it has become a a very intense life stage now, the parenting years, uh, because it's a new era, it's a new generation, and we're parenting in a new context, in a context that we didn't live through as young people. And so that adds to the complexity and the intensity of it. Uh, we're trying to you know, navigate our own way through this world, let alone parents, children that are, that are sharing these accelerated times. It was uh, the Prime Minister of Canada a couple of years ago said, the pace of change has never been this fast, and it will never be this slow again. highlights the acceleration if we if we're feeling like it's fast it's only going to get faster you know and you add the global pandemic on top of that and wow how it's transformed things so in a sense parents themselves are trying to get a bit of literacy around how to manage the technologies and the global connections and jobs of the future and courses to study uh, and and pathways uh, let alone having to you know manage that for their children so you know that's that's part of the challenge. And, of course, there's lots of different advice on offer out there and different values that we come across, and that does make it harder to work out which is the best way to parent in such complex times.
0: I'm thinking as well about the um, when you were reflecting on different generations and how they parented. And we obviously learn from our parents and our parents from their parents, and there have been different world events that seem to have impacted the way Parents have been. So, those that the builders, as you mentioned in your book, um, tended to live through some really tough times. So, they might have been more authoritarian. And uh, I'm not sure how the other generations may have been, but that trickles down in a way. And then to a point where I feel we've got to with my generation of parents, where we seem to be so involved with our children's lives that. We have almost gone too far. So the builders were one extreme and where the other. I mean, does that resonate with you at all?
1: Yes. And that's a good description of it. You know, we find in our analysis of changing trends that that it tends to be more like a, a pendulum that swings back and forth. Sometimes we think, oh, we're heading down a down a street with a new trend, it's just going to get more and more extreme and more and more of a singular direction. But no, it is more like that pendulum. Things will swing one way and then they'll correct back the other way. And, and that's, that's a good description of uh, what you've shared of, of what we've seen. You know, the, the previous generation almost parented in a free range child approach, you know, Hey, you know, um, you know, Go for it, and 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 let me know if you need any help, sort of thing. They were a bit more hands off, and and children pretty empowered, and and we've moved now to very scheduled uh, diaries and timeframes. A lot of you know tutoring and lessons and, um, and, and busy programs and the parents are busy, you know, dropping children uh, to one thing or the other. Um, it's very intense in terms of the expectations of parents, mums and dads, you know, turning up to, uh, to, to the recitals or to the uh, parent teacher night or whatever is going on when we can, uh, based around social distancing, but, but it has become, you know, very intense, compared. Compared to what we did have, and I, I think it is going to swing back a little bit to, to some moderation on that, because we do need to move our children to the point where they can take their own responsibility for their future, where they can step up and and have a bit more independence, and 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 that's not going to be done in the way it used to be, where the children. Head out on a Saturday morning on the bikes, and we, as long as they're home by sunset, everything's fine. Because we are in a different world, and I think it's appropriate that parents are a bit more um, controlling over the, the 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 freedom of children in terms of um, being uh, creating you know safe places for them to play and 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 just being aware of the dangers out there. But. We can take it too far where, you know, they never climb a tree and they are uh, unsure about being out in, in nature or the, the wide world and, uh, and they're, they're not, you know, used to public transport. So, so getting the balance on all of this is, is important.
0: Why do you think this generation of parents will be parenting our children for longer?
1: Well, that's because children will end up staying at home later We're already seeing that now with the 20-somethings often staying with their parents, you know, into the mid, sometimes the late 20s. Uh, And that comes about because we've got children that are young adults that are staying in education later as they complete tertiary studies in record numbers. They are, as part of that, delaying their own forming of families. Um, The expense of housing is such that people can't afford to do the nesting Uh, at the same age they used to. And generally in Australia, people do like to get uh, home ownership before they start a family, and, and therefore that gets pushed back. So the marriage and mortgage and children and career, it's all being pushed back from what was early 20s to now late 20s, early 30s. And that therefore means that these young adults will stay with their parents later. And that trend is not about to disappear. You know, the cost of housing is not coming down. We are still seeing children, importantly, complete more education. And so they're not going to be in a rush to to leave home because of all of that. So the parenting journey starts day zero. In fact, you know, before that, as we plan for the children and uh, and is going to extend well into the 20 something years. And indeed, in terms of that emotional and parental input, maybe even a bit of financial support, uh, sometimes can extend well past the, the late 20s, maybe even a bit beyond. So The role of parents extends later, which is a great opportunity because it means that we're still engaged with our children right at the time that they bring on the next generation and it does set those parents up well to be hands-on and active grandparents and that next generation as they come.
0: What would be your top tips for parents raising children today?
1: Firstly, I would say to be clear on the values uh, because we're in such a diverse era of change and complexity and uncertainty. We know that children do need to be grounded. They do need the safety of boundaries. They do need to know not only that they are loved and cared for, but that there's a certain value set that as the family, we all live by and, and that can give great security and great, a great, uh, a key part of their identity. Uh, when they see that modelled in their parents in their household, they're more likely to follow that on. So, so I think being clear on the boundaries, on the expectations of behaviour, on the values that are shared by the family, and on how they they together live their life, and and having those values in common that they can that they can have alignment around, that can be part of that family culture. That's that's the starting point because you know the basics of our society, if we sometimes complain that you know society is so disparate and 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 where are the the values or the directions, well, the basic building block of course is the family in our communities and then beyond. So so that's probably the the starting point to be clear on our communication, and our, our modeling and our living of that. Um, and then secondly, to understand the context in which our children are being shaped, which was different to ours. and so that might mean that we have to adapt a little to to what was uh, our era and how we grew up and and to be proud of our own upbringing and our history and our past times but recognizing that that may not be the same experience of our children and uh, and and so you know that's where parents have to adapt a little themselves by understanding the times the pathways the expectations of this current era and so being clear on one's own boundaries but being able to adapt and respond to the future of their children uh, that's going to set them up to be relevant and and key and i i have a little image in my mind of a youngster on a swing. You know, we, we've we all swung our children there and they get to <laughs> a age where we're not required to swing them anymore, but it takes a while for them to learn to swing themselves because it's sort of counterintuitive. You've got to lean back uh, through that swing to go forward, to, to push that momentum forward. And, and an image of a child leaning back to go forward is, is I guess, what I'm expressing. We've got to lean back and take those timeless values, those those values that will never change of caring for others and respect and uh, and valuing others, but but lean forward as we take those into this new era and leaning back to go forward, caring about our background of history, but but bringing that forward to the future and the, the the trajectory of our children. That's I think good parenting that is uncompromising and solid, but adaptive and relevant. And um, and, and leaning back to go forward is is a good way of doing that.
0: Mark, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thanks so much, Siobhan.
0: That's social researcher Mark McCrindle, co-author of Generation Alpha. And for more information about the book, check out the links in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch